Masechet Ketubot, Daf Samech He. With this Daf, we will complete the fifth pedic of the Masechet. We're talking about the items that a man is obligated to give his wife, assuming that they're not regularly living together during the week, uh, but perhaps they're only together on Shabbatot. So he still has to provide for her food. He might be away uh, working or something. And so exactly what food he has to bring her, he has to give her, is recorded in the Mishnah. He has to give her bread and oil and legumes, but it doesn't say anything about wine. So what about the wine? So it seems from the Mishnah that he does not have to provide his wife with wine. And in fact, Rabbi Lazar says explicitly, we do not have to give a woman wine. That's an extra uh, luxury. It's uh, There's no, no need for it to do that. And so maybe you will uh, quote this pasuk uh, that says, Here's the context in uh, Hosea, uh, talking about B'nai Israel being compared to a wife who cheats on her husband. And so she says, she said, I'm going to go after my lovers and the ones who supply me with bread and water, wool and linen, oil and drink. So from here we can learn that generally... uh, lover and also a husband should provide for his wife uh, not only food oil but also drink meaning wine uh, so it's an interesting context to learn it from because we're talking about a context of someone who is not faithful uh, but nevertheless we can learn from here the general providing of uh, what a woman would expect from someone who's taking care of her would include wine. So you might ask, wait, well, how could it be that Rabbi Al-Azhar says you don't have to give, a man does not have to give his wife wine? Um, but here it does say shikuyai, so she should expect that. And the answer is, The word shikuyai is not from lehashkot, meaning a drink, but rather uh, something that she desires. And uh, what does a woman desire? Ornaments, jewelry, more than wine. So that's what it's talking about. So he does have to give her jewelry, but uh, wine is not a standard item. All this, by the way, is talking about when they're not living together. When they are living together, then the husband provides food. He goes to the market, he buys whatever he's drinking, whatever he's eating and drinking, they share together their meals. And so usually if a man drinks wine, so his wife will also drink wine. So it's not an issue. Here we're talking about when they are living separately for a lot of the week and he is providing her food separately. So uh, wine is not an essential ingredient that he has to provide. So um, from the this place, it seems to be the same place, it just has different names. What's the source that a man is not required to provide wine for his wife? Shato velo shatat. The context is that Hana and Elkanah went to Shiloh and they were together and she was sad. And he said, Why you're sad? I'm better than 10 sons. That didn't cheer her up. And so she went to, to the Mishkan to pray. So here it says that she got up after 
eating and in Shilo and after drinking. Now in Peshat, both of these are infinitive for verbs and they're both referring to Hana. She ate and she she had was eating and she was drinking. Uh, however, the Midrash here is taking not Ochla, but maybe reading it Achla after she ate as a feminine verb. But the word Shato is not a feminine verb. It's an infinitive. It says Shatot. It would have said Shatat if it was uh, talking about her like that we parallel, parallel to Shatat. So therefore, it must be that she is the one that ate in Shiloh and after someone drank, but not her, but rather referring to Elkanah. Only he drank wine and not her. So that's the proof that um, a woman, it's not their way necessarily. Some women drink wine, but not, don't necessarily drink wine. And so that's why it's not required for a man to provide his wife with wine. Okay, uh, this may this is interesting to Rasha because it might relate to what comes after when Eli thinks that she is drunk, and so it does say that she drank. And when people drink, often they don't drink plain water because uh, it has uh, it's not good, and uh, they would mix the mix wine so the alcohol would kill any germs that are in the water. And if she did drink, then it would give lend credence to Eli who calls her a drunk, even though she's not drunk. So maybe that's uh, also something behind this derasha. Now we ask, according to this logic, that since Shato is referring to that he drank and she didn't drink, with that same reasoning, if the Ochla or Achila is referring to her, only she ate, and that means Elkanah did not eat, only he, she only ate and, and uh, he only drank, doesn't make sense. He must have eaten also. No, our interpretation is from the fact that the Pasuk is changing its language. The beginning of the Pasuk was already talking about her. It says, So it's continuing to talk about her only, the fact that she ate. Of course, Elkanah ate also, but it's not talking about him, right? It's talking about her at that point. And then when it cha- then it shifts person, because it says, after all, the word Shiloh interrupts. Really, if, uh, really could have said, achare, achare, achare shato right? So the word Shiloh itself is cha- is uh, interrupting and it's actually changing subject, which it could happen. The beginning of the Pasuk is talking about her and then it shifts to him. So really the end of the Pasuk is talking about him. Only he drank but he also ate. We're just not talking about it. Um, okay, good. So that we that that's the way we prove that in fact she, he drank, but she did not drink, and that's a proof that a woman is not generally accustomed to drink. A man does not have to provide for her. Now a challenge to this law. The gila notnina. We have a brayta that says if a woman is accustomed to drinking wine then the husband does have to give her wine. So the Gila we say, okay, a custom is different. A general, most women who are not, uh, not accustomed to, you don't have to give them. If she usually drinks wine, then the husband has to give her. And the of Shemuel said that if a woman is accustomed to drink wine, we give her one cup. If she's not accustomed, we give her two cups. That doesn't make sense. It should say, if she's not accustomed, then we give her no 
wine. This seems to be the opposite. So we ask, my Kamar, what is Shemuel talking about here? We have to interpret his, reinterpret his words. Amar Abaye, Hachi Kamar, if woman usually when she's eating with her husband, she has two cups. When she's not with her husband, we're not going to give her that much. We don't want to get her, get her to get too tipsy when she's alone. And so therefore she gets only one. And but if generally, even with her husband, she has only one, then we don't give her any wine at all. It's not so easy to fit this into the words of Shemuel, but uh, you can try. Or another answer altogether to this question, whereas it would be, Elazar said, you don't give her wine, and this Beraita says that you do give her wine. We're not talking about, this Beraita is not talking about giving her wine, but rather giving her some kind of dish that's made with wine. So we give her some cooking wine that would be placed in a dish with flour and meat, and a pot, so that's that. That, that really doesn't uh, in, uh, intoxicate. Um, we all feed our kids penne vodka, even though it's made out of vodka. I think the alcohol all evaporates. Okay, and the proof that we put the wine, it's it's wine that's cooked into a dish not straight wine, is regarding the daughter-in-law of Naktimon ben Gurion. He was one of the famous rich people in Yerushalayim that provided many good things to everyone. Her husband died, meaning Naktimon's son died, and then the sages had to decide what she should, what she deserves, what she should get in her, as part of her ketubah payment, and they decided she should get two se'ah of this wine for the for this kind of uh, this type of dish, every uh, Friday, every Shabbat. So that from that story itself, right, we see that the, we don't give her actual wine, but rather wine cooked into a dish. When they did give it to her, she was very appreciative, and she, she wanted to give a blessing back to the rabbis for giving her such a, a large amount of this wine dish. And so they said, um, and so she said to them, may you have the merit of apportioning for your own daughters such an amount as large as this. Meaning, I hope that your daughters will marry wealthy people and generous people and eventually when they are widowed, they also will be able to receive such a nice big portion. However, the rabbis did not say amen. Usually when someone gives you a blessing, you say, oh, thank you, amen, to that blessing. I hope it comes true. But in this case, she was a shomeret yavam, meaning they, uh, her husband died without children. And now she has to do, she had to do yibum or chalitza. And so it's not a bad, it's a bad situation. And so the rabbis did not want their daughters to have to be in such an unfortunate state to be like this woman. So although, yeah, she had a lot of this wine pudding, but otherwise she was in an unfortunate, distressing situation. So they didn't answer amen. Okay, nevertheless, we do prove that you don't have to give a woman wine but uh, uh, rather, the Baraita was only talking about uh, a wine dish. Tana, kos echad Now we're talking about wine, and now its effects on women. If uh, a woman has one cup of wine, that's good for her. Shenaim nivulhu, too, disgrace. She's just becoming drunk and doesn't act well. Sheloshat tobat If it's three, she's going to start requesting 
relations, and that is is very unseemly. And if she drinks four, she's going to even request from anyone anything, even a donkey in the marketplace, she'll completely lose her sensibility. And she won't even care about that. Uh, it's interesting, it's talking about women only. What about men? I would guess that men would act even worse when they're drunk. Maybe it's saying even women who usually are modest and do the right thing will lose their sensibilities when they're drunk. So it's a good warning about the dangers of becoming drunk. Says, this is only if her husband is not with her, but if her husband is with, with her, then she can drink. And that way, if she feels an urge, her husband is there. So there's no problem. Hold on, we just said Hanad did not drink. Made go in out of her way to say that. But she was with her husband, so what would be wrong if she drank? And the answer is, they weren't home. They were guests in uh, someone's home while they were traveling to Shiloh. And uh, it's not proper for um, even a husband and wife to have relations when they're not home, when they're a guest in someone else's house. learns from and Elkanah themselves. That how do you know that it's uh, prohibited from guests from using their bed in relation marital relations? As it says, they woke up in the morning and they bowed to Hashem. And they went back to their home, and then Elkanah knew his wife, and Hashem remembered um, remembered her, and they had a child. So you see that now, Hashta'in, now that they went home, they had relations. But before, while they were on the road, they did not. So it's improper. The point, the reason is, a lot of times, um, they may not have privacy when they're in someone else's home. It's not nice to dirty someone else's bed sheets. Um, if you're, even if you're in a, if, if a guest, but you have your own guest room and, um, and the sheets will be cleaned. Um, uh, this is a problem. Uh, this is not a problem. Okay. And now, a really interesting story of a woman named Homa. She was the wife of Abaye. And Abaye died. So she comes to Rava, who was the judge, uh, to ask him uh, to decide on the proper allotment that she will be able to receive from her husband's estate. Amrale Pesokli Mezone. She tells Rava, the judge, please, right, give me sustenance from from the inheritance that goes to her goes to the to the, his, his heirs. Pasakla, of course, yeah, he gets uh, she gets Mezonot. Pesokli Hamra, she says, please add wine. Can you uh, provide wine from the inheritance? Rava says, I know Abaye. Abaye's nickname was Nahmani. I know him that he did not drink wine. And if he didn't drink wine, that means you didn't drink wine either because they didn't have it together at their meal. So you're not accustomed to having wine. Therefore, no, I'm not giving you wine. And she says, by my by the master's life, she swears. That's not true. He would give me wine in a cup this big. And she showed with her hands, she lifted her arms to show what a big cup they had that they shared. And they really did drink wine. 
בעדי דקה מחוויה ל... יגלה דרעה נפל נהורה בבדינה. As she was picking, lifted her hands to show how big this cup was, her sleeve, her, 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 uh, um, opened, and uh, her arm was uncovered, and the whole uh, courtroom was full of light. In other words, she was so beautiful, it shined through, and, uh, and he, uh, Rava, as the judge, saw her beauty, and he became aroused. So immediately he ran home. Kam Rava and so he ran home and he uh, requested to have relations with his wife. He was married to the daughter of Rav Chista. So this was not his usual way, and so the door of Rav Chista was suspicious and said, "Hey, who was in the who was in the courtroom today? What's going on with you?" So he said, "Yeah, it was Homa, the wife uh, of Abaye, who had passed away. Abaye passed away." Abatra A pretty crazy story. So. The, the daughter of Rav Chista, Rav's wife, went after uh, Choma with a, uh, a lock of a chest, some kind of a leather band that was used so it could be used as a whip. Uh, and and uh, until he she chased Homa out of the city of Mehoza. Mehoza is where Rava lived. And and the daughter of Rav Chista said to Homa, "You already killed three. Apparently, she had already been married twice before, and their husbands died. And now Abaye also died, so she is a, a killer wife. And now you're gonna you want to kill yet another. In other words, you want to seduce my husband and uh, bring disharmony into my family. What do you want to marry him too and kill another? And so they kicked her. Uh, she kicked her out of the town. All right, fascinating story. Um, about uh, a woman asking for wine. So I guess she didn't get it in the end, but that's the end of the story. Okay. Another story uh, about the wife of Rav Yosef, the son of Rav who came to Rabbi Nechemiah, the son of Rav Yosef. Okay, so this woman comes, and her husband died, so he requests from the rabbi, who's the judge, to for sustenance. Pasakla, I gave her sustenance from the inheritance. Pesokli Khamra, Pasakla. Um, I need wine too. He gave her wine. Because he said, I know the people of Mechoza, even the women are accustomed to drinking wine. Mechoza was a suburb of the capital of the Sasanian Empire. So this was a big cosmopolitan city, probably um, very acculturated. And so in small towns, probably women didn't drink wine, but in Mechoza they did. So since that was her usual custom, so in fact they did drink wine. This, this would mean that we're not following the answer that it was talking about uh, wine mixed into, the, into foods. No, this is wine itself. Is someone the custom? Yes, we give her wine. Another story, uh, So the wife of one Rav Yosef, uh, whose husband died, came before another Rav Yosef as the judge. And she said, 
Pesokli Mezone, Pasakla, I need sustenance, he gave it to her. Pesokli Hamra, I need wine, Pasakla, and he gave her wine. Pesokli Shirae, but then she kept going. Well, she's on a roll. I also need silk garments. Amarla Shirae Lama, why do you need silk garments, right? What do you need to be so fancy for? Amarla Le, Lachul Chabrachul Chabrurach, says, I need it to impress you, your friends, your friends' friends, meaning I want to be held in high esteem and important people like you and your friends, your crowd, you have to dress nicely in order to to be around them. And I don't want to, just because I'm a widow, I don't want to feel ashamed to be out um, in public with uh, with important people. Good. Mishnah went on and said that a husband has to provide for his wife a bed and a soft mat and a hard mat. And we ask, Why need all these things? If he's giving her a bed, then that's all you need. You don't need a, a, a soft mat and a hard mat. It's like one or the other. If you already have a bed, um, we're assuming a bed is made with poles and um, maybe a piece of leather that's stretched and attached to the poles, which is comfortable enough. You don't also need a mat that usually would just go on the floor. Now we're talking about a place where they don't put leather on the on the bed, but rather just ropes. So it's just like a net over the bed, and the ropes are uh, hard and and cause a person to age early, uh, or they cause cuts. And uh, in a person's body, it's not really comfortable, this kind of hammock type of thing. And that's why you need the uh, hard mattress and the soft mattress to put on top of the ropes uh, to be more comfortable. So he can't just give her a minimal bed. He's got to give her a respectable bed. Tanu Rabbanan, en notnin la karvakeset. The Braita says he does not have to give um, a pillow and a cushion. So this is, you know, besides the bed, something nicer, a whole pillow and a cushion. We're talking about in the Mishnah, a poor person, right? This is the minimum. And so this is not, it's not required to have a cushion and a mattress. Um, a cushion and a pillow. Mishum Rabbi Natan Amdonotnin la karvakeset. However, in the name of Rabbi Natan, they said, you do. The husband does have to give her a pillow and a cushion. So, how do we understand this uh, difference of opinion? Hechidame. So, what case are we talking about? Ide orha, maitama de tanakama. If it's her usual manner from her family, that she's from a high status family where they always have. In addition to a bed, a pillow, and a cushion, so then what would be the reason of Tanakama that you don't give her, give it to her, right? A man has to provide for his wife on her level. And if it's not her usual way, then why would Rabbi Natan say he has to? She's not used to such a thing, so why does he have to bother? Must be we're talking about a case where his family is used to having a pillow and cushion, but not hers. In such a case, if they were living together, then yes, he would have to provide a pillow and a cushion um, and bring her up to his level. But now we're talking about during the week when they're not living together, and so that is the machlok. So the Tanakama says he doesn't have to provide for her this this uh, the cushion and the and the pillow. Will say to her, listen, you're not used to it. So from your family, therefore. 
during the week, I'm going to take my bedding with me, and you can sleep on the regular bedding. And when I come back uh, every uh, every Friday night, and we we sleep together uh, Friday night Shabbat, I'll bring my bedding with me. I'll bring my pillow and my cushion, and then I'll bring you up to my level. And that's permitted according to the Whereas Binatan, who says that he does have to provide her with her own separate cushion and pillow, is because she can claim that sometimes it's going to happen that you're going to be running late on Friday afternoon and you're going to get in only during twilight and you can't won't be able to carry and so you're not going to you're not going to bring your pillow and cushion. You're just going to come straight on Shabbat and then what's going to happen? You're going to um, you're going to, not only will you not bring this nice comfortable cushion and pillow, you're going to come and not have any bedding and you're going to take my bedding and you're going to put me on the floor. And uh, so therefore, you have to give, he has to give her um, an extra pillow and cushions for her to use and especially for him to use when, they, when he does come home. All right, Venoten la kipa. We went on and says he has to give her a cap and he has to give her shoes three times a year and he has to give her clothes once a year. So this Tanao, this he, what's he talking about? Shoes three times a year and clothing only one times a year. That's a lot of shoes. He's going he's gonna to leave her with no clothes, but only wearing shoes. In other words, all right, isn't clothes more important? Shouldn't you have more clothes? Why do you need three times a year shoes? That seems like a lot of shoes, especially the ratio of shoes to clothing. So he answered, no, this Tana was, is living in a place of mountains where the shoes wear out quickly. And so you, need, you, can't, you can't do without three pairs of shoes. Um, but if you're living in a place where there's not so many hills, and the shoes don't wear out, then you're right, maybe you wouldn't need so many. And the thing with the, regarding the three regalim, that's just saying an incidental law that if you're, well, since you're buying them, you may as well buy them for the holiday so that that will, uh, will make her happy uh, for, for the holiday. And so from here we learn, right, um, that you know, we still do this today. We go buy, we go holiday shopping. You could go shopping any time of the year, but it makes it nicer to go and buy a um, new suit, new clothing before the holiday to increase that rejoicing. Now the clothing that you buy once a year has to be the value of 50 zoos. Now, this seems like a lot of money. Remember that a whole kitubah is 100 or 200 zoos, and that's supposed to be enough to last or quite a while when after her husband dies or after they're divorced. But according to this, it would just be, you know, two warbs or wardrobes or four wardrobes worth. Um, so that's uh, is that really so much? Um, it seems like too much to spend on just a wardrobe. So answers, we're not talking about uh, the uh, um, the Tyrian dinars, which is a lot, but rather the simple dinarim. The word dinar refers to two different denominations. Um, this happens like today, the dollar. Is it U.S. dollar or Canadian dollar? Uh, makes an important difference. The um, simple dinarim were only one-eighth the value of the 
Tyrian dinarim. Okay, mimai. Mid katane bemidimorim be ani shebi Israel. Aval bim chubad hakol lefi kebodom. And so, how do we know that it has to be simple, uh, uh, the simple uh, zuzim and not the Tyrian din, uh, ones? Because the end of the Mishnah says, when is this true that you have to give the two sa'av weed and all that? That's talking about the poorest person. This is the minimum amount that a man would have to give to his wife if they can't afford anything. But if they're more prominent, then you have to give according to the prominence. And if a person is used to having uh, having meat and um, and uh, and uh, expensive foods and more expensive clothing, then he has to provide that for her. If you're talking about the Tyrian dinarim, uh, from a, a poor person, where is he going to get 50 dinarim uh, every year just for clothes? That, that's more than their whole budget. Rather, it must be talking about simple dinarim. The next part of the Mishnah continues and says, The clothing, we don't give her new clothing in the summer because it's too thick. Rather, you buy the new clothing before the winter when it's thick and warm, and then by the time it wears out, it'll be good for the summer. Whenever there are leftovers, if it's leftover food, I'll say they're eating together, it's leftover food, the husband gets it uh, because he'll eat it. He'll eat it for lunch the next day. Uh, but the leftover of clothing that the wife keeps. Why? What is she going to do with it? She uses it because she will wear them while she's nida, so that she, her husband, will not be repulsed by her. The point is, if she wears the same clothing, the same new clothing, when she's nida and when she's tehora, then he'll be disgusted by it. But if she wears separate clothing and then she saves her new clothing for when she is tahara, then uh, he will uh, be attracted to that. Uh, says, however, once the husband dies and there are extra uh, leftover uh, clothing, that goes to, uh, that doesn't go to her, but rather goes to the uh, the sons, the whoever inherits it, inherits him. The reason is because in the case when the husband is alive, then we provide her with these leftovers so she can use them when she's nidah so that she'll otherwise be attractive to the husband. But here the husband is dead. So what does it matter if she becomes repulsive? He's not going to be repulsed. He's dead already. Uh, so therefore she has, does, has no need for the leftover clothing. He has to provide her with a ma'ah for her spending money allowance. And furthermore, she he has to come home and eat uh, they eat with her we, we eat with her uh, every Friday night. My ochelet. So, what does the word mean that she they eat together? Rav Nachman Amar ochelet mamash. Literally, they have to have the Friday night meal together. Uh, even if he's providing for her all week long, they have to spend some time together. So he's required to come home for Friday night meal. Rav Amar Tashmish. Rav says no. Ochelet means that they have to have relations. So tenan ochelet imo lele shabbatot. So we quote the Mishnah that they eat together le Shabbat. So Bishlam Alamad Amar Achila. According to the one that says Rav Nachman who says it literally means eating, we understand the language. Eating means eating. Good. But if it means they, have to have, they should have relations, 
How, how does eating mean relations? And the answer is lishtama al It's a euphemism. We don't want to be so explicit. So we use a nicer language. We're talking about an adulterous woman that after she does, she does sins, she eats and wipes her mouth and said, I didn't do anything wrong. And here it's not talking about literally eating, but having uh, rather having relations and wiping her privates is talking about here. And she says, oh, see, I didn't do anything. She just denies that she ever sinned. So here's a context where the word achal can mean as a euphemism for relations. Metibe. Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel Omer, Ochelet Belele Shabbat ve Shabbat. So Rashbag says that um, not, does, does not, the Mishnah said they just have to eat together one meal Friday night. Rashbag says no, also Friday night and Shabbat lunch, they have to have two meals together. We understand if it's literally eating, so then he should be with her for two meals. Makes sense. But if it's talking about relations, are they going to have relations in the middle of the day? Ravuna said that Israel is holy and therefore they do not have relations during the day. It's not modest to do that. But I've already said, even during the day, as long as you close the shades and it's dark, then it's permitted. That's modest. Mishnah continues and says that if she's nursing, he has to provide for her more food and reduce her workload. Uh, so the Biula taught the following at the entrance of the house of the Nasi. He gave a he was invited to give a lecture there, and he said, Even though the rabbi said that a man is not legally obligated to feed his minor sons and daughters. I mean, it makes sense. He should look out for their welfare and want to, and the rabbis would shame anyone who didn't. But technically, legally, um, if he doesn't, we can't go and extract money from him in order to provide food for his children. Even though the rabbi said that, they were talking about older kids, but very young kids he has to provide for. Ad kama ad ben shesh. Until when is that called? Was it, was, are they called little kids? Until six years old, he is legally required and will go into his assets and take them if he doesn't do it himself. Kid katan ben shesh imo. How do we know that he has to? Because Rav Aseh said that if a child is under six, then he can join, he joins in his mother's eruv. Meaning, if you have a father and mother and a child, and they each make an eruv techumin, the father makes it to the north, so he can walk further north. The mother makes it to the south, so she can work for, walk further south. The child doesn't make an eruv, it's a little kid. So which one can the, does the child join? Is he, we assume that he's in, he follows his father or follows his mother? And the answer is, if he's under six, then he's going to follow his mother, right? A little kid needs his mother, is going to follow along with his mother. So he's kind of like attached to the, at the hip with his mother. And therefore, uh, he would go with the mother's eruv to the south. Now, me, my, how do we know? Uh, so, how, how does Ula know this uh, law? What's the connection between uh, the law of the Eruv and what Ula said that a man is required to feed his young children? So, it's because the 
a young child under six uh, follows the mother, why does that mean that the father has to provide food for him? From our very Mishnah, since our Mishnah teaches that if a woman is nursing, the man has to um, reduce her workload and give her more food. So you see that the husband has to provide for his wife, and that means if she's nursing, she needs more, even though indirectly it's for the child. That's his responsibility to take care of his wife, even when she's nursing, and give extra. So what's the reason? Isn't it because the baby is eating with her and is dependent on the mother? And that's why the mother gets more. So that would be the same thing here, even if the child is five and uh, is not nursing. And nevertheless, it's still dependent on its mother. It's following its mother around, and of course, its mother is going to feed it. And therefore, the responsibility for a father to provide food for his young child is actually an extension of his obligation, Kituba obligation, to provide for his wife. He has to provide for his wife when she is uh, uh, alone, when she is pregnant, when she is nursing, and and even it, it, indirectly to the child, and until the child six, six even uh, uh, until the child six, it's following his mother around, asking for food. So that is part of the obligation. Good. Hold on. Maybe the obligation in the Mishnah to provide more food for his wife when she's nursing is not because it has to. He has to feed his child. Maybe it's because she's sick. She gave birth recently, she's still nursing, and so that's considered an ill, and a man, a man has to provide for his wife when she's ill, has to provide the medical attention, and if she needs extra nutrition, he would have to do that too. So maybe it's only because of that. But that would mean that by the time the kid is five, she's not ill, uh, she feels fine, maybe he wouldn't have an obligation, so there wouldn't be any proof from here. The answer is, uh, so no, if it was just about her being sick, then it could have just said, it could have simply said, if she's sick, then he has to provide for her. But it doesn't say that, it says if she's nursing, which means it's because of the child, and so it is a good proof that he has to provide for the child. What? Maybe not. Uh, no, it's not really a full proof because maybe um, it wants to add another law, another uh, point of information that uh, we can assume that most nursing women are in the category of ill. And so, uh, therefore, has to has to provide for her. If it just said imhatachola, I would say if she's actually sick, like she, if she has the flu. Uh, but I wouldn't consider every nursing woman to be ill, and that's why it says any every nursing woman he has to provide for her more. But really, it's because of her uh, not feeling well, not necessarily because of the child. Itmar amar ben Levi lehalab. And last point of advice for nurse woman and that's good that he should he should add for her wine this goes back to the beginning of the sugya whether a man has to provide wine or not so generally not but if she's nursing then it is good because um, drinking some wine is good for milk hazan alach af alpi chazakim uberuchim